Welcome to episode 398 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we have a grand conversation with educator, fiddle player, and our resident historian, Surf William. We discuss selling out, chance and fate, other people's suffering white liberal guilt, doing the right thing, voting for the most responsible, mature candidate, bohemians in the suburbs, rejecting the American dream, believing in God, beginner's mind, among other things. A grand conversation with the great Surf William. We have an EWSA titled Hip Hip, and we share some findings as gathered by Harper's Magazine for their December 2020 edition. And we share a poem called Tree. All of this, of course, will be imbued, infused with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It is so nice to have you with us. Let's get to it. Episode 398 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours.
hip hip. Clouds of discontent only mire even more so the depths of confusion while trying to understand who, what, which, why, and therefore. As I walk through these calendar days of ours, the time spent perusing the possibilities devours one's opportunity to be here, now, and free. What else should one want to be? Am I selfish? Is it plausible to render one's persona objectively selfless? I am not sure it is in this human DNA, that day-to-day with which I earnestly struggle and play. Despite the platitudes preached and the empty gratitude teached, this spirit soul and mind's eye has yet again been misguided by my passions and desire. Though these two are part of my intrinsic humanity, we are a field of contradictions on a sunny, brisk, late autumn day. And somewhere in the fray, pure messages of hip-hip-hooray from moments of blissful youth still inform and inspire our sense of what might be. I wonder if the people hold up in the mansion on the hill or in the deep woods next to the sugar shack and barrel bourbon still, can come together with each other and to those urbanites and suburban acolytes so that we have a diverse country as one, warmed into many days of courageous wonder by the orange-yellow sun. Oh, oh, oh.
Hello. Is this the great Surf William? Oh, yes, the great. It's so funny you would call me the great. I was just working on that lesson in my German class. The great Surf William or Alexander? Yeah, exactly. Der Große auf Deutsch. Der Große, the great. Yeah, okay, I'll take it. Excellent. Sure. For yeah. those for those of uh, you listeners who have not had the uh, grand experience yet of Surf William, he is an educator, a fiddle player, a chicken coop builder, and our resident historian here on Troubadours and Rock On Tours, among other things. It's uh, so nice to have you back on the program. We've we haven't talked uh, on the show since the election and uh, of you know the U.S. Congress and and uh, executive branch. And I know you might want to talk about that a bit. You want to talk about YouTube and beginner's mind, bushcraft, and saunas, fire. <laughs> you want to say F to Trump. We're not going to say the word, but we know what it means. Right. The chicken um, or the egg. Where do you want to start, my friend? How are things going? How's everything? How's everything going? I, I'm, doing, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Um, I, I'm wrestling with serious guilt issues because... Honestly, this pandemic has been just so incredibly horrible. And yet for me, it hasn't really been terrible. It, it, it's, it's been even more than tolerable. It's allowed me the opportunity to do a lot of things that in the before time, I just would not have had the time, um, you know, the time to do. And, and so, you know, I'm conflicted because I know how much people are suffering now. And, and, and I'm knocking on wood right now. I hope I hope that I and my family don't suffer, but I seem to have avoided the great suffering. And that brings up a lot of strange emotions because I know there's a lot of pain and suffering out there and I'm not sure how to exactly process and deal with, you know, my, I guess, good luck. That's because, well, luck and and because you've sold your soul, you're part of the bourgeois, (laughs) you know, uh, you've given up your character and integrity so that you could live large. We know. Well, no, but I mean, okay, sure. Absolutely. Right. You're correct. I've totally sold out, but I know I'm a public school teacher. Like clearly I'm a sellout, (laughs) Um, but you know, I had options. I had choices to make years ago. And I made certain choices and it just so happens by, by happenstance and crazy luck and all that stuff, you know, the choices that I made even years ago, put me where I am right now today. And any, uh, any variation in those choices over the course of the last 10 or 11 years would have probably put me in a completely different position and one probably not as, as comfortable and as um, productive as I am right now. So again, you know, I made some choices. I happen to have made some good choices, but I could have just as easily made choices which were good at the time, but ended up being kind of crappy. So, you know, I am where I am right now based on a lot of uh, chance and fate and choices, but I'm in a comfortable spot. And again, you know, I'm in a comfortable spot, but other people who don't deserve to be suffering are suffering. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it makes you think, if nothing else. So is this what, they, what the right calls the, the good old, uh, you know, liberal guilt, white liberal guilt? Is that what you're experiencing? Well, you know, I think it's... And I should that be criticized? 
Um, yeah, now my, you got to put it all in perspective. Yeah, I've got this weird kind of nagging feeling in the back of my mind, like why, why am I so fortunate while others are not? But at the same time, I really do believe that life is absurd. At its core, it's a completely absurd proposition that there even is life. And, and so therefore, you know, you should kind of roll with the absurdity because uh, if you acknowledge that in fact everything is chance and luck and fate and, you know, there's no really logical reason why things are the way they are, if you accept it as being absurd, then you can kind of laugh at it all and just kind of roll with it. Um, and I do that. You know, but at the same time, I'm cognizant of the fact that there are a lot of people who likewise, for no fault of their own, are suffering. So I don't think it's I don't think it's liberal or conservative to acknowledge that there's pain in the world. And, you know, we should be mindful of it and maybe do what we can when we can to to alleviate it a little bit. I like that sentiment. I do. Uh, And I think we should address a couple of things here that's popped into my head based on what you you shared. Very good insight. And I think you, you know, very clear um, uh, sort of mindset to a lot of folks out there that are listening, but to other folks, maybe not, you know, so, so let, let's talk about uh, how, how it's, it's chance and fate in, in some regards, you know, where, where you're stead in life, where you, where you end up in life. That may be true to a certain extent, but we know, and I, I think you would agree, there's also systemic discrimination. There's also systemic privilege that is designed into the the texture of our society, the, the way it, 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 it works, its machinations. And so that's not fate so much. That's, that's desi- by design. People are, are put into bad positions or with less access or less opportunity, wouldn't you say? Oh, I want, well, you know, I agree with you. And I would say this, the, the two are not mutually exclusive. So I say life is utterly absurd. There's it's, it's a complete crapshoot. You know, who knows what, why the fates do things the way that they do and why we end up where we end up. But after you acknowledge that, that doesn't absolve you from your responsibility to do what you can to make this world a better place and to make life for your fellow human beings and animals a better place to live. So no, as a matter of fact, I say that life is absurd and completely random while at the same time saying there are tangible things I can do to not only improve my life, but to maybe just a little bit incrementally improve the lives of people around me who might be less fortunate for whatever reasons. And, um, you know, that's the thing that I try to do maybe to alleviate some of my guilt but also just because it's the right thing to do. If you can help out in some way, you should really do that for no other reason than just because it's the right thing to do. Do the right thing, Spike Lee. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, I know you want to get into politics and the recent election and all that. Stuff. No, I don't need well, to I go would, there. I don't. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm but, kind of like burned say, out. Yeah, I hear you. But I would say this. I would say, look, one simple thing you can do is vote for the most responsible, mature uh, candidate who you believe is um, educated enough and experienced enough to do the things while in office, while holding the reins of political power, to make things better, not just for you or me, but 
but for our country and maybe even for the world. And I think, you know, we took a step in that direction in the last election. I think we got rid of the of the grifter clown, you know, moron. Um, and we and we elected someone who doesn't excite me very much. But that's not the point of our democratic system. It's not about getting excited. It's about electing the person who you deem most capable of doing that highly complex job. And so, you know, we're moving in the right direction, if nothing else. I like it, Sir William. And, uh, you know, we, we, you talked jokingly, I believe. Maybe not. I wanted to go back to this. You said you're a public school teacher. Clearly, you've sold out. Was that, you know, just being a little, you know, tongue in cheek? Or do you believe being a public school teacher is selling out? Uh, it, it, I guess it depends. I guess it depends. You know, you and I grew up with a, a, a really unique group of friends. And, and, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have a gift for understatement. Um, some of whom are really very bohemian in their lifestyles. And, and, and you and I have that strain of bohemianism that runs through us, even if, we live in the suburbs in our nice homes with our nice wives and all that stuff. There's still that element of appreciating that bohemian quality. So, you know, did I sell out? Yeah, if I compare myself to some of our friends who have chosen more unconventional lifestyles, it could look like a sellout because what did I do? I got my, my advanced degree and I got my job working in a public school system with my, with my biweekly paycheck and my pension benefits and my union membership. So I can see how that would look like a sellout. But anyway, you know, am I a sellout? I guess it depends on, you know, where, what part of this political spectrum you're on and the social spectrum. So to the bohemian friends who are still backpacking through Europe, you know, playing music on the streets for money, and I know JQ, much of that now. JQ. Yeah, right? So J, JQ is an example of a friend of ours who chose, the, you know, staying very true to his spirit. He chose a lifestyle that's right for him that definitely isn't right for everybody because it comes with a certain amount of insecurity and um, uncertainty. But still, you know, this is a person who believed that pursuing their art and eschewing the, the trappings of the bourgeoisie in many ways uh, was the way to go. And compared to and I have other friends other expat friends in Europe who um you know they're a little more conservative in their old age but you know they did sort of reject the American dream concept and they went abroad and they found other ways to live in other countries so if you compare my life to those people I look like a conservative conventional sellout if you compare my life to somebody else who's maybe more conservative on, on the right of the spectrum, um, I might look like a little more bohemian and a little more wild. To some of my friends, I'm completely wild and crazy. So I guess it all depends on perspective. Oh, normally, yeah. And JQ, by the way, folks, he's a regular contributor on the program as well. He's our uh, resident cultural critic and vagabond, as he calls himself, uh, international and think, vagabond. And he lives I in the south of France. Comfortable lifestyle. You know, I think now he, he does. I think he, yeah, yeah, he's got a comfortable like like too. like you and myself. We hooked up to to women that uh, can take care of us. <laughs> we're all, you know what? We're all we're all sleeping our way to the top. Good for us. <laughs> yes, good for us, definitely. <laughs> good for us. Uh, now it sounds like you're cracking walnuts or something. There, what are you doing? Are you cracking the, the holiday I walnuts? You're making all kinds of noise. Know. Jeez, I'm going to sit in still. one place and you tell sit me that it's good. Still, for God's sake. 
Not okay. that we not that we even believe in a God. Do we? Do we believe in a God, you and me? Uh, I can answer that pretty, pretty definitively by saying no. It's hard for me to believe in things for which there is absolutely no proof. You know, that takes you down all kinds of slippery slopes. What about faith? You talk about fate. What about faith, my boy? Well, good. Okay, you can have faith. Faith doesn't require evidence. Faith is a belief. Faith, faith exists without any evidence at all. You have faith because you believe. You don't need evidence if you have faith. Exactly. Now, so why don't you have any faith? Well, faith in what? Uh, well, God. Well, there is no God, so that would be absurd. Because you don't see him or her. Yeah, again, you know, faith. Uh, when you talk about faith, um, uh, I guess that's tied up in my mind with hope. Um, I'm not sure if the two are really synonymous or not, but... Um, no, I'm not going to have faith in something that's completely intangible and has never shown any sign of even existing. That's, that's utter absurdity. Um, I could have faith in mankind, you know, as crazy as that is, and <laughs> as, as much of a long shot as that is, I can have faith in mankind because there are instances throughout history where people have done the right thing individually and collectively, and I can turn to that and I can say, Oh, all hope is not lost. Look at in our darkest moments, we were able to do X, Y, Z and emerge from the darkness into the light. So therefore, I have faith that we're going to do that again. That's not completely pie in the sky. One could turn to examples where people have individually and collectively, you know, done the right thing and improved the situation. So and that's not completely crazy. So, you know, a, a person that would make you think about that kind of uh, faith in, in mankind would be someone like Rudy Giuliani, right? Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> see, you want to do this. You want to. I wanna, just think he's you such a. Uh, you talk about absurd. I, I think you have to call some people out. You know, sometimes I don't want to be mean. Yeah, I, I like being I like being in touch with the Buddhist philosophy. You know, you talk about uh, faith and hope, and that leads me to the idea of expectations, which oftentimes Buddhists say is is trouble to have expectations. You know, you're going to mm -hmm. lose yourself mm -hmm. and those expectations. But you know, I, I look at at some people, and I, I brought his name up, and I'm sorry for those listening that I had to bring up that name, but. What's you know either the only the only thing that can make it okay is that there's something wrong really with their you know func function as a, functioning as a human being otherwise if this is a cognizant uh you know choice that they make uh, when when spewing the crazy uh you know hateful uh sort of of uh, thought that come thoughts that come into their head then they there's they need to be called out okay i'm i'm with you 100% so i'm i'm doing that and you talk you're talking at such a high level and i love it uh, you know, we're, we're aspiring to, to look at things as, as, as good people doing the right thing, uh, coming from a good place, trying to achieve good things, uh, for ourselves and our fellow humans. But then you have what we've been dealing with for, with, with millions of our fellow human beings on this continent, um, who, who support the kinds of mentality and the kinds of approach that a Rudy Giuliani is, you know, espouses. And that's, mm -hmm. that's just sheer ugliness. How do we, how do we achieve uh, this healthy balance, this faithful outlook regarding humanity when you have that millions of people there? 
The, the, the Rudy Giuliani's have always been there. They, they've never gone away. They've, they, they've always been there. Um, you know, I've been reading a lot about how to deal with those, those 70, I forget how many millions of people voted for Trump. 78, but, I think. Okay, Last 78. Count. Last count. I've been, I've been, I've been, you know, reading different articles about what to do about those people who believe in Trump and voted for Trump, and how do we get them? How do we persuade them to maybe reconsider their thinking? And we should be gentle with them, and we shouldn't make fun of them. So you know, look, man, it starts with me personally. Like I gotta take care of myself and my own mental health. So, so I would say this, like if. If you wanted to all of a sudden, if you wanted me to put on my self-help hat, I'm not real good at this stuff, but I would say this. Step one, you got to take care of yourself. So that means that you've got to surround yourself with love and support um, wherever you find that uh, to build you up, to, to give you confidence, to give you security, to make you feel you know, whole and complete and ready to face the challenges of the world. After that, then you kind of go out into the world and you address all of these issues and you maybe confront people who think differently than you. Um, I hate to be trite, but boy, love and patience and compassion and understanding, they really do, they really do work a lot of times. Not always, but they really, it really, when you have the luxury of trying that approach first before you have to get really forceful, if you have the luxury of being understanding and compassionate and, and, and flexible you know, do that first. And I'm speaking from personal experience. I have a relative who was a real hardcore Trump supporter. And we grew up together, my cousin. We were very, very close growing up. And we obviously grew apart. And he turned out to be a really hardcore Trump supporter. And he said a lot of things over Facebook that were really shocking and hurtful. And right after the election, I wrote him a letter. I saw that right after Trump lost the election, he left Facebook. And I had left Facebook too, leading up to the election. I was off Facebook for about a month. I just needed to take a break from the noise and I just needed to take care of myself. So I spent a lot of time like working around the house and doing my, my schoolwork and practicing my violin, just things that I needed to do for me to get my house in order. And then when I felt ready, I actually ventured back out into Facebook world again. But I sent my cousin a letter and I said, I see you've taken yourself off Facebook. That was a smart move. Um, you should go hunting. He's a hunter. You should go hunting and fishing. You should kiss your wife. You should play with your dog. Uh, the insanity isn't going anywhere. You know, peace and love to you. And he wrote me back and he said, yeah, I am off Facebook. I couldn't take it anymore. And this was like the nicest letter he had written to me in years. He, he said, uh, I hope you're doing well. Here's my cell number. You know, call me anytime. Um, I, I hope you and the family are doing well. You know, please be, stay healthy you know, love your cousin. And that was a really symbolic and important moment for me because we had really grown apart. And I'll tell you what, the reason we'd grown apart is because of that. You know, I'm going to use expletives here, but I'm not going to do that to you. You know what I want to say. That thing in the White House who, who has a skill and a gift for dividing us, finding those divisions and exploiting and exaggerating them. And we have to get past that. That We don't have a choice in the matter. We have to, we have to find areas of commonality and we have to try to get back together again and make it work. It's a relationship that we don't have a choice about. We are stuck with each other and we have to figure out ways to make it work. 
Yeah, yeah, it's well put, and I'm happy to hear about that connection you had with your cousin. And it's beautiful. And by the way, I misspoke. It's not 78 million votes that uh, what's his name got. It's 74 million. Four okay, million. good. So I, you know, I, I underestimated our fellow humans. Four million. Uh, <sighs> Less voted for him than I thought, yeah, and but still, 74, 74 million too many. It is, and and you know, it's just you put it in, in a good perspective and and a relationship. Sometimes when you're wronged, it's hard to trust again, or to, right. and, and that's I think what 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 I'm going through in a way. But maybe I'm being too indulgent, people, and too sensitive. You know, it's it's complicated. I it, it I'm, I'm sure though, it also seems like it's based on hate. And, and, you know, prejudice and that, that, how do you get past that? But we will. And I, I, I love what it's you're not easy. These things not. aren't easy. What, yeah. What yeah, you're not. talking about is really hard and it's really not easy. And you have neighbors in your own neighborhood with Trump signs on their lawns still, and Trump flags. Still right. You know, one of my, one of my sons, he's 12. He's hilarious. I, he cracks me up. He, as, as a, as a joke, he looks at it and I make, he makes me laugh. We'll be driving through town. And when he sees somebody has a Trump sign up still, he rolls down the window and he yells out, stop the steal, stop the steal. And I'm like, stop that. (laughs) That's funny. It is. It is. Well, you know, look, look, here's the deal. We we should try to engage. We should try to be open. We should try to open up lines of communication to a point, not not to the point where it's self-abuse. Or where you're putting yourself in an abusive situation. Um, you know, I have neighbors in my neighborhood who have the Trump flags up too. Um, I have nothing to say to them. I have nothing to say to them. If you're willing to, if you were willing to full throatedly and wholeheartedly support that bigot grifter traitor, um, I have real problems with you on a lot of different levels. Well, okay, then maybe the thing to do there is just avoid, just don't deal with that neighbor. It's not like they're right next door and they're my best friends. They're down the street and I don't really know them anyway. So I'm probably never going to come across them anyway. It's a little bit disconcerting that right in our own neighborhood, we have people who think so differently, but that's a reality. And I have to figure out what's best for me. And what's best for me is avoiding that negativity. Right. But we do have to mend or grow as a country. And if, you know, a lot of those people are going to look at us and say, mend, you're the ones who are wrong. Right. You know, you're the ones who are getting taken advantage of. You're the ones that are yada, 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 letting us lose what America is all uh, supposed to be. Uh, so 74 million people. We have some mm-hmm. real. I, you know, I want to find that happy place. I do. But you can't pretend that we don't have real, real big, deep rooted problems. And that's all I'm saying. Yep. Uh, and, and I guess we have to just continue talking. We can't get hateful. Or, or be hateful, be presumptuous or condescending, uh, you know, uh, no, that, that's look, for look, sure. Look, look, look this, here's, here's, one, here's one guideline we could use for our behavior. Everything they did on the right, the Trumpers, everything they did, do the opposite. So, for example, you won the election. The election's over now. You're not campaigning anymore. No more rallies. No more knocking the other guy. No more putting the other side down. We won. Now it's time to govern, and that takes adults being mature and responsible. We saw how they behaved when they won four years ago. They wanted to rub it in our faces. They wanted to walk around all proud. The bigots got to come out from under their rocks. And then we had a president who was holding Nuremberg-style rallies, calling for the imprisonment of his opponent, whom he beat. 
So stop for a minute and think about that. He beat her. It's over. He won. And still, for four years, the chant was lock her up. There's something really toxic and sick about that. So what do we do? We win the election. We take down our campaign signs. We take down our Biden-Harris lawn placards. And we start to demand from the victors, our party, our people who we voted for, mature, responsible leadership. We're not on the campaign trail. We're not denigrating the other side. The election is over. It's time to govern. So we we show them through our actions what resp- responsible, mature citizenry and leadership looks like. Yes, I agree. I agree. But let me go to the you know despondent part of my my thinking. Uh, you have Mitch McConnell in the Senate still, mm-hmm. and he's probably going to be the Senate leader, majority leader after Georgia. Mm-hmm. I hope not. I'm hopeful mm-hmm. that Georgia will come through for us yet again. But mm-hmm. I don't know. So they're, you're gonna, he doesn't care about it. Mitch McConnell loves it. He calls himself, you know, the Black Knight or whatever, Darth Vader, uh, the Grim mm-hmm. Reaper. He's a sick son of a, you know, he really is to me. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. vapid. Mm-hmm. So how do you get past that when you're trying well, to, you put, you put uh, good judges on the, on the bench. You're trying to push through important legislature, mm-hmm. legislation. Wow. Okay, you, you know, now, you, you look, look, th- there are serious flaws in our political system, serious flaws. There are flaws in a system where the vast majority of people in the country are registered Democrats and you still have minority rule because you have you have a, uh, a tripartite a division of power in our government that allows the minority to basically not just act like the loyal opposition, but it allows the minority to continue to rule. So you bring up some real structural problems when you've got a minority party, the Republicans, who are a, a, a huge minority. You've got structural problems. Well, explain explain how they are a huge minority if they won the Senate. Well, because the senatorial races are, are regional and not national. So, you know, Kentucky votes for Mitch McConnell. You know, Kentucky's not going to vote for a Democrat. They're just not going to do it. But what that means then is that the mindset of your average Kentuckian is the ruling mindset of our country. And that's not fair or accurate because the vast majority of, this, of the people in this country do not think like a Kentuckian Republican. How do you know but that? Yet, How do you know that? Well, let's look at their political affiliation. There are way more people are Democrats than Republicans in this country. I forget what, they, what the um, registration numbers are. But there's way more registered Democrats in America than Republicans. We can look it up, but tons more. Yeah, two senators per state. When right. uh, a state like California has so much, so many more people than a state like you know Kentucky. Right, right. And Pennsylvania does its Pennsylvania does its share to elect right wing hacks. You know, just because they're in the South, that's not they don't have a monopoly on right wing fanaticism. And insanity. You know, we've got Pat Toomey, who I have no respect for at all, and he comes from Pennsylvania. Right. He's better than Santorum, I suppose you could say, but that's not saying much. I don't know that. I don't know. Maybe. He was the guy before Toomey. Actually, Casey beat Santorum. Uh, You know, and Casey's a Democrat, moderate. Right. uh, Yeah. Yeah. You you make a good point. Uh, And all I'm saying is our our political system is 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 a million miles from perfect. Um, 
but because of the structure of our political system, you can have things like a senator from Kentucky basically controlling the political process. Isn't that really what we have right now? One senator from Kentucky basically runs the show right now. Well, he's got collaborators for sure. But well, I'm just saying, but I'm saying, you know, as he represents the leadership in the Senate, he 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 could tell Obama 11 months before the election. We're not even going to give that Supreme Court nominee a hearing. We're not even going to think about it. And he could tell Trump, yeah, we know it's three weeks before the election and we got to get this done. We're going to rush this through right now. So, you know, there's a problem there with that system when one when one senator can do those kinds of things. Um, maybe we can address that structural problem. I would love to. And we're talking to Surf William, our resident historian, among other things here on Troubadours and Rock on Tours. We're talking to him from his place in Jersey, I believe, right? No, Bucks County. Bucks County. I'm sorry. I'm so used to being. You bounce around so much. You're. I, I'm getting rid of the apartment. On this is my last month. The apartment's gone. This is my last month. So you'll be no in more. Bucks County. I'm going to be a Pennsylvania resident starting in January. Excellent. Back home. All right. Back home. Yeah, feels good. Well, we we only have a few minutes left with this with this conversation. This go round. He's a regular contributor, folks. So if you you like what you're hearing, you'll hear him again uh, in in uh, you know several weeks. How do we wrap this one up? We're we're talking now. It's the early part of December, end of 2020. Resident historian, how would you like to close uh, this conversation? Next time we speak, will probably be in 2021. Uh, yeah, well, you and I hopefully will speak before the new year, but if on the show, it'll be 2021. And I would say this. One of the things I brought up was beginner's mind, and I just want to say this. Um, I find that for me to um, refresh my spirit, it's good to get into pursuits and endeavors that I'm not really good at, that I have, don't have a lot of understanding of. And I start from square one and I learn as a beginner. And that process of making yourself a beginner again um, is really invigorating because you'll find sometimes that you can gain a level of enthusiasm for life because of whatever pursuit it is you're just getting into. That's not old hat. You know, any job is exciting when you first start it, but then it gets kind of boring after a few years because it's the same routine. So it's good to mix things up and pursue things that require you to be a novice again. And I've been exploring that over the last few months during the pandemic. And um, it really does a lot to just increase my my life enthusiasm and my excitement uh, about about just being alive. Wonderful. Beginner's mind beginner's mind thank you so much surf william oh it was my pleasure ew i look forward to seeing you over the holiday uh, t- uh season and uh of course talking with you again next year for the program and uh you know give all your loved ones hugs and kisses for us likewise and i wish you uh peace prosperity and absurdity <laughs> in, the, in the new year <laughs> uh, absurdity all right <laughs> <laughs> you got enough of that already. Man. I do. <laughs> All right. Ciao, Fratello. Okay. Peace and love. Ciao.
count your fingers What can you do And now some actual findings by our human species as gathered and published by and for Harper's Magazine. It's December 2020 edition. Findings, actual findings. The unusually cold rainy autumns of 1917 and 1918 discouraged mallards from migrating beyond Europe. 
where they transmitted H191 to humans and worsened the influenza pandemic. Reindeer herders discovered an Ice Age bear revealed by melting permafrost. And isotopic evidence suggested that millions of mummified sacrificial ibises in Egypt were wild-caught rather than priest-farmed. Pulp cavity closure ratios of canine teeth were found to be a reliable way to estimate the age at death of dogs found at Ustpolyu. And evidence that women use their teeth as basketry or weaving tools suggested a gender division of labor in Bronze Age Argaric culture. Hominids living 1.7 million years ago may have boiled their food in hot springs. Goats are able to produce sperm via donor testicles. And ten species of hill stream loach were found to share the cave angel fish's hefty pelvic girdle, arousing suspicion that they might be able to walk. King Canute's sumptuous silken burial clothes have been stolen. Little earthquakes have increased as the Indian Ocean warms. Sea urchin grazing, caused by the disappearance of the Aleutian otter, was contributing to the decline of Alaskan reefs and kelp forests. A Cuvier's beaked whale set a new mammalian diving record of 3 hours and 42 minutes. Tasmanian devils were reintroduced to mainland Australia. Analysis of the labradoodle genome revealed a predominance of poodle. Male baboons with female friends live longer. Large groups of mountain gorillas maintain simpler relationships, and baby tortoises are attracted to faces from birth. Ketamine is good for a lazy eye. Danish scientists invented a safer method of fermenting camel milk. A study found that weighted blankets reduced insomnia, although one participant was made anxious by the heavy blanket and withdrew. Post-COVID dreams have been worse for men than for women. The death of a pet was likelier to increase psychopathology in boys than in girls. A Massachusetts man who ate a bag and a half of licorice a day died of glycerizic acid poisoning. Mutant tomatoes demonstrated rewired fruiting via gibberellian activity. Volcanic ash deposited in the sea can act as a carbon sink. Climate change was disrupting the very large telescope. Jupiter's moons may be warming one another. Salt and hot water were detected around two young stars. 
and phosphine was detected in the clouds of Venus. Planets made of diamond are unlikely to be habitable. Never think to ever look around, never see it coming at you with your head in the clouds. Looking like a fool, drinking like a clown, worried you'd be nobody, not so far from that now. You don't feel so overcome by happiness, you're broke. in my flower pot cup 
has dissipated its heat to cold. These shorter days of light still warmly unfold, as the sense of living a good life continues to be told to me by the birds perched in a white birch tree outside my funny little arrogance. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens Brown paper packages tied up with strings These are a few of my favorite things Cream-colored ponies and crisp apple strudels Doorbells and sleigh bells and schnitzels with noodles Wild geese that fly with the moon on their wings These are a few of my favorite things Girls in white dresses with blue satin sashes Snowflakes that stay on my nose and eyelashes Silver white winters that melt into springs These are a few of my favorite things When the dog bites, when the bee stings When I'm feeling sad I simply remember my favorite things And then I don't feel Dresses with blue satin sashes Snowflakes that stay on my nose and eyelashes Silver white winters that melt into springs These are a few of my favorite things When the dog bites, when the bee stings When I'm feeling sad I simply remember my favorite things And then I don't feel So And there you have it, episode 398 of Troubadours and Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. 
First and foremost, our dear friend, Surf William. I'd like to thank Harper's Magazine and these musical artists, Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, Lake Street Dive, Juana Molina, Nina Simone, Pernice Brothers, Tony Bennett, of course, Terrence Blanchard, and Brantford Marsalis, too. And I'd like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and do our best with this time. Take care.